I will try and interrupt you if you make it difficult to edit. Because I find that amusing. Now, you see how I timed that? You're just she was taking a drink. You know, I do have controls and I can put you on mute. Can we find our way out of this uh, maze of rabbit trails? Embrace the rabbit trail. So, I'm sorry my that my interview has put your butt to sleep. <laughs> You're listening to the Lasers, Dragons, and Keyboards podcast, featuring interviews with your favorite speculative fiction authors. We'll be discussing their books, their fandoms, and their writing processes. So sit back and enjoy another exciting episode with your hosts, Aaron, Josh, and Liberty. Welcome back to Lasers, Dragons, and Keyboards. I'm Liberty Spidell, and this is episode 34 of the show. If you were with us for episode 33, you'll know that we have Mary Ruth Persley on. She is the author of the fantasy novel Song of the Ren Falcon. So today we're going to get into her writing process. We have The Confessions of a Full-On Pantser, binge-watching My Little Pony, and you will have to guess on which one of us is guilty of that. Uh, having friends to help with problems in your book. And this is a really good topic um, that we get into about the benefits of having other authors, other writers who can help you with specific problems in your book. So stay tuned for that. The benefits of having neighbors that live far away when you're a fantasy novelist. Mary Ruth is a farm girl, I think she mentioned in our first episode, and uh, she has some good reasons for wanting her neighbors far, far away, and I'll let you uh, hang in on that one, because it's kind of fun. Mary Ruth also has a bit of Earl Grey tea snobbery, and even though we don't come to fisticuffs or anything... Uh, I don't necessarily agree with her on her choice. However, I do need to try her um, variety that she prefers. Uh, we also uh, have some really profound advice from Mary Ruth on um, some uh, some advice to new authors. It's not exactly what you would expect, but then when you get into some of the writing advice that's out there, uh, like Toni Morrison's quote, if there's a book you really want to read, but it hasn't been written yet, then you must write it. Uh, it kind of goes back to that, and it kind of makes sense. So I think uh, that's something I'm going to be doing, uh, and I'll let you hang on to figure out what Mary Ruth's advice is. I'm not going to give it away. Here in Lasers, Dragons, and Keyboards land, we are now publishing our upcoming guests on our Facebook page. So if you want to hop on over there, we have a sticky note at the top. Well, not really a note, just a sticky... Well, I guess it's technically a note, but anyway, we have a note up at the top that's going to be announcing our upcoming guests. So if you want to know who's up next, if you want to submit a question... Go to that sticky, and we will keep that updated as new guests come up. And as we recorded sessions, we'll take the old ones off, so they're not there anymore. Um, other than that, I think that's about all we've got going on. It's um, looking like a busy fall for us, and we're really excited about what uh, we'll have in store for you guys. So stay tuned. I know you're going to love what we've got coming up. So, without further ado, here's our show. Well, 
Welcome back to Lasers, Dragons, and Keyboards. We're here with Mary Ruth Persily, and in this part of the show, we will be talking about her writing process. Are you a plotter or a pantser? I am absolutely, totally a pantser. I, I usually have some idea, at least, of where I want a story to go, but very rarely do I have a clear idea of have, how it's going to get there. And I'm not wow. one of those people who writes an outline or anything restrictive like that. I, on my, I think, third book, tried a very basic outline, and, and it seems to help me a little bit. But Well, the one time I tried writing an outline, baseball. it was actually really helpful. I just usually can't do it. <laughs> yeah. I, I know that makes no sense, but that's... Like, right, well, the fun, yeah, the fun so part's I, done. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're the first true pantser we've had on. We've had a few that are pretty close. But... Pretty much every, almost everybody's a hybrid of some sort anyway. Mm -hmm. So, if you're a true pantser, what does your writing process end up looking like? Oh, please don't anybody use my writing process as a model. Mostly it involves alternating spells of frantic pounding on the keyboard for hours on end because I just can't stop and it's you know, and I lose. I I have to go to work on like two hours of sleep, or then I swing over to ridiculous amounts of procrastinating and lots of erasing and rewriting and lots of questioning whether this whole writing thing is worth it and whether there's meaning to life in the universe. And so honestly, I have no idea how I ever get anything finished. I really don't. <laughs> And my personal favorite, everybody coming along going, aren't you supposed to be writing instead of staring at the ceiling? <laughs> oh, really, I am working. <laughs> I promise, I promise. It doesn't look like it, but I'm working. <laughs> <laughs> I get that all the time. So how long... Yep. How long does it take you to knock out a draft? It varies really, really widely. The first draft of Song of the Ren Falcon took 18 months, um, but then I've done NaNoWriMo successfully four times and knocked out a first draft in 30 days. So I'm wow. thinking it's going to end up taking about six months total to get the first draft of my current sci-fi project done. So there, there really is no formula for me. Well, Once again, fair. everybody else is a faster writer than I am. No, I'm pretty sure even you are faster than I am. <laughs> you have no, slow no writers, and then you have glacial writers, and then you have me getting run over by the glacial writers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I know exactly what that's like. <laughs> K.M. Wyland only releases a fiction book every three years, so I don't know if... I aspire to three years. <laughs> okay, I, I don't feel so bad then. In fact, I think I'm going on three right about now. I'm at a year and a half, but I have released two short works in there, but they were written before my novel was published, so I don't think they count. <laughs> yeah, it's been almost you know, one or two years since the new threat came out, and I've got two drafts done in that time, but they are nowhere near ready to be released yet. I understand. Mm -hmm. <sighs> yeah, you were talking earlier about your uh, chaotic writing process, and I'm like, yeah, that's going to be like the 20 different drafts thing. Yeah, I know how mm -hmm. that goes. 
Yeah. You look better at that first draft and go, ah! <laughs> <laughs> I hope they burn this when I die so that no one ever reads it. Although for your own benefit, it is fascinating to go back and look. And, oh, yes. Oh, wow, I've made a lot of progress. <laughs> More than I thought. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Maybe the final version doesn't still suck as much as I think it does. <laughs> we can always uh, hope. I don't know who said that, but the one person is uh, at one point you just have to let it go. At some point, you're, it's never really ever going to be truly finished. And... Mm-hmm. Indeed. Yep. Do I, do I need to pop some frozen music in right here? No, please Probably. don't. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, I have three daughters. I'll probably be hearing it tomorrow anyway. <laughs> <laughs> My daughter has sworn off... Um, Princesses, and is now all in. Yeah, is now is into all the Avengers and Star Wars and everything. Like mommy is, and a few minutes ago, before before we got started, my son wanted to grab a movie to watch while we're podcasting, and um, he grabbed Frozen, and I'm pretty sure my daughter came back out and said, "No, we're not watching that." (laughs) (laughs) For my son, it's. Olaf that he likes. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, uh, my oldest is uh, seven, so we end up, before the kids go to bed, we end up binge-watching like Daniel Tiger or Strawberry Shortcake or Princess <laughs> Sophia or... <laughs> it's like, okay, one episode of that was tolerable. Twelve is going crazy. <laughs> yeah, my kids are pretty much limited to anything that's spec, thick, e, or PBS. So, you know, it's bad when you get for when you look forward to binge watching My Little Pony because the plotting is so much better than what you normally are used to watching. <laughs> Sadly true. Oh my goodness. No, my, my Little Pony has story arcs and character development. And some of the other kids' shows are just like brain melting. Opening credits not even over with yet. Speaking of which, there's a big difference between watching the old Inspector Gadget cartoon from the 80s as, you know, a four- or five-year-old and as a teenager. <laughs> you remember, oh, yeah, I remember watching that show. Well, that was a really good show. And then you're like, ugh. <laughs> yeah, I felt that way. I tried turning on Animaniacs a while back, and I'm like, I really used to like this show? <laughs> yeah. Segment, segments of that are still good. Uh-huh. Just the show, yeah. the show as a whole, the, like, oh, that was kind of crazy. Oh, that, that, that little part there was good. <laughs> and, it's, and they do sneak in little things that you have to be almost a, a film uh, aficionado to catch. So. Oh, yeah, little there's... references to like Jack Benny and mm-hmm. Evan and Costello mm-hmm. and some of those older people. So, Okay, off the rabbit trail. Uh, Mary Ruth, uh, what writing software do you prefer? Microsoft Word, just the plain old basic. It's what I learned on and what I'm used to. So, so you haven't tried Y Writer or Scrivener or anything else? 
I haven't. I, I've always had Microsoft Word, so I've always used it. That works? You should you should try one of them just for the fun of it sometimes. The nice sometimes thing about like, Scrivener. I would totally be like, open to trying it. Because Scrivener has the free trial version. Mm-hmm. And what what I found is I'd always been like you was like, all right, Word does you know what I need. I can type in it and it works great. I can you know save it and other people can read it and everything. But then it was like, all right, not not Ramos coming out, but Scrivener has a trial version. Well, why not? It's a perfect time to experiment with it. And I also mm-hmm. tried an outline, a very very basic outline that same month. Mm-hmm. And one of the nice things about Scrivener is you can keep all your research and stuff handy in the same spot. Mm-hmm. And uh, kind of going off on a mini rabbit trail that is actually related to the the topic at hand. What how what system do you use to organize your notes, research notes, and all that stuff? Um, files within files within files within other files. It's I'm a very organized chaos kind of person. Like you walk into my room. <laughs> And you'd think a grenade went off in here, but I can tell you exactly where everything is. And you look at hey, the... That that's like the same office. filing system my dad uses. <laughs> I know exactly where everything is, and I can tell you if something is in the wrong place. So I have files within files within files, um, or folders within folders, I guess, would be the technical term. And I have, like with every novel project I'm working on, I have the draft file, and then I have a separate file that I call scribble page that's in the same folder and that's where I write all my little notes to myself and ideas for later and where I I think on paper and all the little things that I need I might have um, character sketches in that in that folder or um, pictures that remind me of a scene or a character so each story has its own little folder with just a ton of different files in it Hmm. that's uh, all right, from a purely technical standpoint, a folder actually is a file to the base operating system, but that's an entirely different rant. But. <laughs> okay, well, I, I'm terribly sorry if I have offended someone unknowingly, but <laughs> in my mind... Well, this is a, you know, geek, this, this is a podcast aimed at geeks. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Hmm. All right, where are we at now? I think it's actually my question, isn't it, right? Uh-huh, five. So we, we actually should add that question in here, how you organize your research notes. Hmm. Somebody was okay. talking about it on there, and that got me curious. Anyway, back onto the trail for a while. Mm-hmm. Where do you go to edit? Do you do any self-editing? Do you hire an editor? Does your publisher do that for you? Combination of all of these... I do lots and lots and lots of self-editing. I have to make myself stop self-editing and actually write because I would just write one page and eternally edit it over and over and over. Um, But I also have several friends with different areas of expertise who are always up for helping me. Um, You know, if if I have a plot problem, I call Heather and she'll fix it. If I have a world-building problem, I call Lorianne and she'll fix it for me. Um, so it just depends on what I need and what I'm looking for. And they're both great proofreaders. Um, and then when I published Song of the Ren Falcon through Splashdown Books, they did um, the final edits for me as well. Mm-hmm. Grace is great about that. Yeah, she's really, really good. There was mm-hmm. very, very little that she edited that I 
you know, that I didn't necessarily agree with. Maybe one or two things in the entire book that I didn't agree with. Right. How do you deal with writer's block? And it sounds like you get it, so I'm not even going to bother to ask if you even get it. <laughs> yes, I, I get it. Um, <laughs> where it comes from and how I deal with it also varies very widely. Um, sometimes I just get overwhelmed with too much freedom, and if that happens, I, I can just, I want to go too many different directions at once. And if that happens, I usually sit down and write something really restrictive, like, um, like microfiction that has to be, you know, write a story in 400 words or less. Um, or I'll do something that's even more restrictive, like haiku. I'll, I'll write that for a while. And working within those really, really strict parameters usually frees me up again, and I don't feel that overwhelmed feeling. Um, if a story Over just time, she changes herself to the ceiling and swings the sword around. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I have been known to do that, too. I once pinned a scrap of cloth up to a fence and stabbed it with a steak knife just to hear what it sounded like so that I could describe it accurately. I'm not going to lie. Do you have neighbors that are, like, really close? Oh, no. The nearest neighbor is, like, a quarter mile away. So, yeah, no. That's probably a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're crazier than I am, so they wouldn't notice. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you need to go and listen to our. Uh, you need to go listen to our podcast with Amy. Okay. Because she has she has neighbors like in the city neighbors. Oh dear, I can only imagine the kind and, of stuff she writes. <laughs> and then she and her husband choreograph the fight scenes outdoors together sometimes. <laughs> you got to go listen to that podcast anyway. It's hilarious. Now, my, my yeah, brother at, and I were at my grandparents' house in town once, um, and we were choreographing a sword fight scene with wooden swords out in the yard. And there's cars driving by, and we had a uh, mishap. I don't know if I messed up or he did, but anyway, he clocked me in the jaw with a wooden sword, and um, I, I didn't, I wasn't, unconscious, but I was significantly stunned. I, I fell over and he had to hold me up. So, yeah, there were cars driving by looking at us, so I understand. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> eh, it happens. This is why I don't write sword books. <laughs> well, I don't want to go so out and shooting someone. I don't want my brother to shoot me in practice. I live out in the middle of nowhere, too, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah, that, that could be bad. <laughs> Best in either paintball or airsoft guns. <laughs> it's a work expense, really. <laughs> but no, the, with the writer's block, you know, do... Doing something to, to really, really limit myself for a while, that helps. Going out and doing something physical related to the story helps. Um, and then if a story just really, really bogs down, I either give it a rest and work on something else, I'll, I'll call one of my aforementioned friends for help. Um, I usually have at least one or two story ideas in the back of my head that I really, really want to work on, but I know that I need to be working on other things, so I'll sort of use them as bait 
to motivate myself. And if I can just get writing again, then the writer's block usually goes away. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know how that goes. That sounds very familiar. <laughs> yeah, I got Mr. Three Projects at Once going on over here, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I hear so, you. So, uh, all that choreographing with the fight scenes, that must make you hungry. So what I'm always hungry. Beverages, <laughs> so what snacks or beverages do you usually have when you're writing? Um, Brookside dark chocolate-covered pomegranates are Ooh, absolutely yummy. a must. Those are absolutely mm. a must. And, of course, tea, Earl Grey, hot. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. What other kind of Earl Grey tea is there? <laughs> well, I, I am a snob when it comes to Earl Grey. I will only drink Earl Grey from uh, the brand Twinings of London because that's what I grew up on. My grandma would bring it back to me from England. And so, hmm. yeah, if it's Earl Grey, that's the only brand I'll drink. Hmm. Maybe maybe I haven't had the right one. I've mentioned on here before that I, I got a tea sampler pack from somewhere. I had a, six different flavors of tea in it or something like that. Ooh, Earl Grey tea. I gotta try to do that. I also kept card drinks. So I tried it's like yeah, it tastes like it has oil in it or something. Nasty, but maybe <laughs> it was just the brand, brand that was bad. Yeah, Bigelow is Bigelow. Yeah, Bigelow Earl Grey is not good. I'm, See, and that's what I drink. Yeah, I don't remember what brand it was now, so <laughs> I'll bring you some twinings at Realm Makers. Oh, hey, there you or go. Or if I'm Yeah, I'm not gonna be at Realm Makers this year, so down your way this sometime soon. So, but um, I've seen it. I've seen twinings on Amazon, and I've been thinking about buying some, and I just haven't done it yet. So I need to actually see. We've got a pretty well-stocked grocery store here. I should probably see if they sell it. Walmart will carry it too. Well, it's only like not every Walmart, but my local Walmart does. Mm. It's, it's amazing. You wouldn't think there could be that much difference in a tea bag, but there is. There really is. You know, if Walmart if Walmart carries it, you can order it from Walmart.com and get it shipped to you if your local Walmart doesn't have it, too. That is yeah. true. Well, I live between, like, I get, I can probably drive ten minutes and hit four different Walmarts, so... Oh, one of them. Oh, well, there you go. Then. Yeah, so... <laughs> and actually, a couple of them... Actually, more than that, because a couple of them are the marketplaces, so... Oh. Me, I'm, like, 15 minutes from the closest Walmart. <laughs> What is That's... the weirdest... <laughs> Mary Ruth, what is the weirdest thing you've ever Googled? You could pretend um... it was even for a book. <laughs> <laughs> um, I honestly don't remember a lot of specific Google searches. I'm not thinking of anything that's too wildly out there, or at least, you know... I may have suppressed those memories. I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> lately, I've been researching a lot of random neurological stuff for my, my current sci-fi project um, because the, the story deals a lot with the human brain and neurological disorders. Um, mm. So I'm also currently doing some research for an upcoming project set in a feudal fantasy world. So I've done some pretty weird searches about Dark Ages stuff, like, you know, the Black Plague. And that's how I learned my newest favorite word, which is sub-enfiefed. It was a medieval legal term about uh, land ownership and, and things like that. So, yeah, it's just so much fun to say. I just wish I had an excuse to use it in conversation. <laughs> <laughs> you just did. I did, yes. 
I'm just gonna slip that one in there. <laughs> All right. Uh, where are we again? You're gonna have to send me a. Link All right. Oh, it's my favorite word. question. It's my favorite question, and everybody else's least favorite question. What do your marketing practices look like? Or in other words, tell tell me how I can sell a million books too. <laughs> um. Well, once again, don't use me as a model. I'm really doing my very best to learn more about marketing, but I still have a long way to go. Realm Makers last year really, really helped me, but mm -hmm. I'm, I'm still working on getting better. I'm really active on Instagram, um, but I don't just post writing-related content. I post a wide variety of things to interest lots of people, and I found that an occasional writing-related post gets more attention than a huge series of uninterrupted mm -hmm. writing posts. Um, I, I've heard I've heard something like for every uh, one promote yourself type post you do, you need to have like ten to twenty just fun, interesting non-sales mm -hmm. type things. But yeah, yeah, and I've well, I mean, I don't know the statistics, but I've found that you know if I do four or five writing-related posts in a row, I don't get nearly the attention that or the the posts don't get nearly the attention that, you know, an isolated writing one will amid a bunch of, you know, vacation pictures or whatever. And I do try to make a big build-up before I release a project. Um, my last release back in January was helped along by a snowstorm that almost kept me from getting to a Wi-Fi connection to publish it, so that added some <laughs> fun drama. Um, fun. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I was out dumping buckets of ashes on the driveway so that my car would actually get up the hill and out to the road. <laughs> so, so yeah, that was fun. I, I run occasional, you know, giveaways and contests and things like that. And, of course, I'm always looking for reviewers. Hint, hint. Mm -hmm. I think I actually have reviewed your book. You have, yes. Mm -hmm. You wrote a very nice review, and I appreciate oh, thank it. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciated reading the book. That makes me happy to hear. Thank you. Hmm. So you wouldn't say there's like one magic bullet for your marketing right now. You're just trying to, like the rest of us, figure it out as you go. Yes, yes. And like I said, Realm Makers last year, I went to the marketing track, and it was a huge, huge help. Um, mm -hmm. But I wouldn't call myself an expert at yeah. all. See, that's the real reason why we do this podcast, just to get all the free advice. <laughs> well, there's my two cents for whatever it's worth. <clears throat> Which fandom or fandoms do you feel have influenced your writing the most? I'm going to have to go with the Tolkien fandom. I've always loved the way that they go so deeply into everything Tolkien wrote and the way it all fit together and the way they study the depth of his world. I mean, for goodness sake, there are people out there who have PhDs in Tolkien linguistics. So yeah. it's always inspired Which me. Which is to crazy, watch. but... <laughs> it is crazy, but it's still... Crazy, in a, good, crazy in a good way, but, you know... Yeah, yeah. It's, it's always inspired me to want to be as thorough and deep as Tolkien was in my world building and in connecting my stories and characters to each other, particularly in the Adelphian Prophecy series, which Song of the Ren Falcon is the first book in that series. And there are other related books set in that same fantasy world, and I want to make sure that they're all that well connected and that I have that good of a foundation so that people could go that deeply into my books and my story world as they do into... 
uh, Tolkien's world. Mm-hmm. And what's your favorite book? That's a really, really hard question. Isn't it though? It's like asking what's your favorite kid. I know. Um, but I'm just going to go based on which one I have reread the most times. And so I'm going to have to go with Emily of New Moon by L.M. Montgomery. I've read it almost every year since I was 13. So, Ooh. yeah. I love that book. Her writing style is just so gorgeous. And it's a wonderful book. Yeah, I've read the first five in uh, the Anne of Green Gables series. And I mm-hmm. haven't read any of the other ones yet. So, If you read the Emily of New Moon... Which series was that again? My, my audio flipped. Emily of New Moon. Emily of New Moon. I don't think I've read L- that one. L.M. Montgomery. The same author who wrote Anne of Green I have read some other L.M. Montgomery stuff. Yeah, Anne of yeah. Green Gables. If you read the Emily of New Moon trilogy, only read the first two books. The third book, she just totally bombed the whole series, and I was so disgusted. But the first two are wonderful. Wow, stink. Just read the first two and then tell yourself, eventually everyone does marry who they're supposed to. And don't bother, (laughs) don't put yourself through all the drama. Just however you want to end it. Exactly, yes. And it'll be better than the way she ended it. (laughs) <laughs> I hate when they don't end stuff well like that mm-hmm. it ended well it was just the journey there was awful mm. yeah sometimes that happens I suppose so <laughs> even our, our most favorite authors get it wrong sometimes so. once in a while mm-hmm. so what's something well, what's, what's worse is they die halfway through a series Stephen Law had almost did that to me and if he had died I would have killed him because he was in the middle of the King Raven trilogy and if he didn't finish it I would have died (laughs) so I felt really it's like I really feel like I need to pray for him to get through this illness but I really feel selfish because my main reason for caring is I want him to finish the series (laughs) That's kind of selfish. <laughs> Just a little bit, yeah. <laughs> so what's something that has surprised you most about being an author? Honestly, it was a surprise to me to realize that I was going to be an author at all, as in that was going to be my career, because even though I've been making up stories my entire life and writing them down since I was six, I always thought my career would be archaeology or something because to me writing wasn't a career it was just something you did like eating or breathing or sleeping it was just part of being human part of life and Mm -hmm. I was probably 12 or 13 before I realized that not everybody did that not everybody was running a constant narrative in their head and making up stories about their day and that Mm -hmm. so then oh go ahead I know. You find out, like, oh, other people don't do that. Exactly. How on earth do they? How on earth do they not die of boredom? Exactly. What do they think about when they're in the elevator, or when they're sitting in the doctor's office, or when they're going to sleep at night? What do they think about? It's like. It's like Sherlock said. It's, it's like Doesn't Sherlock everybody said. narrate their life in their head or run through alternate paths? <laughs> what do they do? No wonder they're depressed. And... Who do they talk to in the shower? 
It's like what Sherlock said. It must be boring in those puny little brains of yours or something like that. Yes, yes. What is it like living yep. in your tiny little minds? <laughs> What's one piece of writing advice that you would want to share with aspiring authors? When you publish your first book and it's finally there in your hands, sit down and read it. Don't worry about what anybody is going to think of you or that you're going to look vain or conceited reading the book that you wrote. You wrote the book because you wanted to read it and no one else had written it. So sit down and enjoy the fruit of your labor. It's really, really important and there is no shame in it. It took me a long time to get over that, but that's what you need to do. I have actually yes. never done that without the intent of editing it. <laughs> when it's like <laughs> a little typo. <laughs> now see the story that now see the story that I wrote well, when the proof copy came. Yeah, you when I oh uh oh. <laughs> but the story that I the story that I wrote when I wrote it, it's the, it's not exactly you know high literature, this is, I will want to aspire to the greatest novel ever. My book that I wrote is basically reading candy for me. Mm -hmm. this I didn't write something to, you know, make you think to, you know, any of these high lofty goals. <laughs> I, 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 wrote, I wrote mental dessert for myself. Mm -hmm. This is the kind of thing I like to sit back and just play and have that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I agree. Yeah, that, that is one of my favorite. That is one of my favorite pieces of writing advice you know, that I've heard a couple other people say. Though, is write the story that you want to read. Yeah, and then read it, and don't be ashamed of it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. We'll have to have Liberty look up who actually said that quote, because you know somebody famous said that that I'm quoting here. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to look that up. And I it don't sounds remember like the name. It's probably from Neil Gaiman, probably. Well, either that or Stephen, or Stephen King's King. on writing, or um. Yeah. Uh, Who's the other one that they post a bunch of Kurt Wagner, maybe? I'm slaughtering his name. Uh, Can you tell I'm bad with names? The gal who wrote Bird by Bird, maybe? I'm blanking I on her I couldn't name. tell you. Mm, yeah. I don't know. Could not tell you. I'm I've got her on my shelf. I just don't have so. it right here. If I walk up to somebody and say, hey, you, that doesn't mean I don't respect you or like you or you're a forgettable person. It just means I'm horrible names. <laughs> I, don't even know my, I don't even know my own name most of the time, as you know from the show intro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. So what would you like to accomplish next? More than just a book, a long-term personal goal where your career is concerned. And it can't be taken over the world because I think Ben Wolf claimed that one. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he did. <laughs> I just I... want new wife. I don't want to take over the world because then everyone would be asking me questions all the time and I would never have a moment's peace. So don't worry. <laughs> I want to leave. <laughs> I want to leave an extensive body of work behind when I die. I want my writing to be the legacy I leave to my children and grandchildren, should God bless me with them. And as I said earlier, I want the worldview in my writing to make people think about things in new ways or maybe give them understanding of things they haven't thought about before. I want God to use my writing to touch lives in ways that I'm not even aware of. And I love 
the little glimpses he's given me that let me know that that is already happening. Things that people have told me they took away from Song of the Ren Falcon that I had no idea were in there. I didn't know it was there to be taken away. Just ways that God has used things. Um, you know, there's... I, I can't say too much without it being a spoiler, but Aaron will know what I'm talking about. Um, there's a scene where a character, there, there's a long chain of events that leads to a particular character briefly contemplating suicide. And a friend of mine read the book and asked me if I had ever contemplated suicide. And I said, no, I haven't. Why? And she said, because I have. And that is exactly what it feel, feels like. And I thought you must have been there too to, to know it that clearly. And the way that you brought him out of that moment was just so refreshing and encouraging to me. And I thought, wow, I've I've never even yeah. been there. And God used that to, to touch somebody who has been there. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that was really cool. All right, and sadly, last question of the night. <laughs> Is there anywhere our listeners can go to learn more about you and or your work? Other um, than your little used Facebook page. <laughs> that we made you get. <laughs> yeah, see, you made me get it, and that's why and I wasn't happy about it. That's why I'm hardly ever on it. I told you. Hey, hey it's more liberty than me that made it happen. Mm, you were there. I was yeah, there. He was busy making um, Vulcan signs think, in the window to just rookie signs. That's true. I think at the exact moment she forced you to sign up for Facebook, I was talking to Amy about something. Maybe. Maybe. We may have lunch in the fishbowl by then. I don't know. I was trying to talk to like 15 different people at once, and, once and that wasn't working out so well. Yeah, yeah. The problem of Realm Makers. Um, well, like I said, I am pretty active on Instagram. The last couple of weeks have been the exception because my camera went kaput and I don't have it fixed yet. Um, Uh-oh. And you can look me up on Facebook, even though, yes, I am not very active there. Um, at the moment, that's about all there is, but if you keep an eye on those things, you'll hopefully be hearing news of an upcoming new blog pretty soon. I've gotten out of blogging the last couple of years, but I am planning on getting back into it sometime in the next couple of months. So you can keep an eye out on Facebook and Instagram for an announcement about that. Oh, cool. And then, of yeah. course, you can search my name on Amazon, and it will take you to a page where you can buy all of my published works. Awesome. Amazon knows almost all. <laughs> almost. Yeah, Google knows the rest, but... <laughs> Oh my! Well, thanks so much for coming and hanging out with us, Mary Ruth. It was <laughs> awesome to have you. Always hey, it's fun been to so much you. fun. Been a lot of fun. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. Oh, good. Well, we're glad that you were and that you were able to make it. So. Yeah, me too. Yay! Wait, one person we haven't had to bribe to be on our show. <laughs> I was a willing victim. <laughs> And Aaron, I'm very much looking forward to seeing you again at Realm Makers. And Liberty, oh, I wish you could be there, but you're a lot closer than he is, so you can just come down and hang out sometime. Yeah, there you go. Uh, we can do that. So I always look for an excuse to go down to OCO with Jeeves, so very cool. Thank you. 
This has been another episode of Lasers, Dragons, and Keyboards. Have a question or comment? Email us at lasersdragonskeyboards at gmail.com or send us a tweet at ldkpodcast. Our music is Flight of the Beast, Loop 1 by Jonathan Gear. Lasers, Dragons, and Keyboards is copyrighted under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. This means if you're not for profit and you want to quote us, please be sure that you cite us. If you are for profit, please get our permission first. You can find us at lasersdragonsandkeyboards.wordpress.com for detailed show notes, as well as on facebook.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you next time. Have fun storming the castle!